welcome to episode 192 of Feds of Film, where we'll give our takes on the latest movie news, like Haley Steinfeld joining the MCU and Suicide Squad 2's official cast. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again, joined by Josh Straley. I am really trying to figure out what Letterbox is for. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting, very unique app, Cooper. I joined this week. Yes, you did. Um, you followed me back. Uh-huh. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I uh, appreciate that. But... It's just like it was made specifically for film Twitter with every one of its features, which is a little bit nuts. And so I'm just kind of like, who was the mad genius that <laughs> like made up this really slick thing? I mean, you can journal, you can make lists, which I love. You yep. can have your you know running watch list, and then you can just rate and leave reviews, and that's all the app is for and then you can but you can also see other people's reviews like them they can like yours just a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of uh i guess just socialness that can arrive there absolutely and it's just sort of random not random it is random it's like a thing it's like who like this is for like twenty thousand people minimum you know but i i've already love it i'm getting my you know i'm just vomiting everything i've seen Mm -hmm. onto it and slowly over time i think i'll probably build like a friends and film watch list and heck your friends and film have a letterbox um i don't know how how would that work i don't know because we'd have to we do like an aggregate (laughs) score for each movie we'll make a friends and film list to start okay there we go go right ahead Mm mm-hmm Yes. All right. So I'm on that for us. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm on Letterboxd. So if you want to follow me, I think I'm just Movie Cooper. You are. And I am Joshua Ryan. So there you go. You can follow us on Letterboxd, um, which, you know, has our reviews. It has, um, you know, logs of what we've else watched recently. Um, and we'll get to those, but not in this episode, because you may be wondering, wait a minute. It's Sunday. And I have a new Friends in Film episode in my feed. What's going on? Also, there's no review. Also, hopefully... It's shorter and not quite as long as our episodes have gotten recently, and that's because we're changing things up. Uh, we've been going at this basically the same way for like three and a half years, and figured it's you know time to experiment, see what else is out there, see what else we can do um, by going with some shorter episodes, uh, but doing more episodes per week as a result of that. So as of now, you will get news-only episodes on Sundays. You'll get then our reviews for the newest release of each week on a Tuesday. And then the big question will basically stay the same, but it will now move to a Thursday launch. So a lot of shifting parts here for Friends in Film. Uh, We can get into some of the the specifics on how it changes for each episode as we kind of address them individually and take them on this first week. But if you want to stay tuned uh, and keep up to date on everything that's going on, Josh, what is the best way for them to do that? That's a great question. And you can do all of those things on Twitter by following us there at friends and film a n d film you can find all of those shows big questions and reviews on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify and Stitcher but if you can on Apple Podcasts please rate and review us that will ultimately help rank us and then we can find more friends of the show that's right and as we do this brand new format this first week and hopefully continued on as you guys hopefully like it um, you know just let us know what you like what you don't like if there's something we can you know switch up a little bit and improve it uh you know this is a brand new format for us so uh it will probably take some tinkering some experimentation and you know we'll get there and we'll find something we're all happy with but you know if you have any suggestions along the way feel free to either leave us those suggestions in review on apple Podcasts or just again tweet it to us at friends of film on twitter but uh because this is just a news episode now josh we're just going to jump straight into our three main topics 
as we do and kick off with a new addition to the MCU, which will start at first on television, but eventually grow into the movies as Variety revealed this week that Haley Steinfeld has been offered the starring role as Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Steinfeld recently starred in the Bumblebee movie for Paramount, so she's hot off that, and she's doing an Apple um, TV Plus series as well called uh, Dickinson, I think? Yes. Um, so... Uh, for those of you who do not know, though, uh, who Kate Bishop is, she is the daughter of a crime lord and and an assault survivor who then trains to never be vulnerable again. And she takes over the Hawkeye mantle in the comics after being trained by Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye. So, Haley Steinfeld taking on this big role in the MCU, potentially. She just has an offer. Justin talks at this point has not officially signed on. But, Josh... If that does happen, is she the right pick for Kate Bishop? I don't know the character Kate Bishop extraordinarily well. I know the outline. I know what Wikipedia and fandom can tell me. Mm -hmm. But I think I have a good grasp of it. And it seems like she's a perfect choice. She's equal parts dramatic. She's a great dramatic actor. You can go watch Bumblebee and see every side of her. Um, particularly like in the final moments and she can crush emotion and drama, but she's also light and fun and, you know, like just completely spunky in every performance that she's got. So she's a perfect fit for the Disney Marvel, um, you know, films and streaming series mm-hmm. and all of that. And I don't, yeah, I don't, I mean, great choice. Like no questions asked. Um, I don't know like the logistics here, but it just seems like, yeah, like it's Haley Steinfeld. No one has a problem with her, like yeah. in any in any kind of way. I don't think it's inspired or like out of left field. She's from like the people who need the or yeah. have been done the work and are ready for like the big paydays and so. But um, the the series is interesting now. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, Haley Steinfeld for Batgirl or something," and I mean that would have been great and. I'm honestly kind of surprised Warner Brothers didn't jump on that train earlier. But, I mean, just as you kind of went over, like, Haley Steinfeld is an incredibly versatile and already established actor. It just, you know, she's only in her early 20s, I believe. So she is definitely on the up and up. I mean, she already had, she went in, or she was nominated for an Oscar in her very first role uh, ever <laughs> in True Grit, which is insane to say. But uh, yeah, I've always been a fan of Steinfeld's. Uh, Edge of 17 is amazing. If you have not seen that already, um, go check that out and you will immediately be impressed, I believe, by what Steinfeld can do and show, again, the complexity that uh, Kate Bishop can bring as a character. So I think Steinfeld is right in that perfect range where she's known, but she's not like already a major movie star. But then through this series where she'll be introduced, she can then go on to become an even bigger uh, name, uh, have have a bigger profile, and then probably take on a bigger role in the MCU. And that's kind of where I was wondering as well, like, do you think at this point in, you know, Steinfeld's career that going the superhero route already, is that is that the right move for her? I mean, like so these, uh, yes, it definitely is. Because she's, I mean, she's like you said, she's already kind of climbed a ton of hills. And so first it's, you know, her album career. I think she's got like a really robust music career going. Uh-huh. She's gotten the, 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 the well-received role in the big blockbuster movie. And then now it's time to turn that 
into, you know, um, like jump into a wider audience. And the Mar- you have a pre-built-in audience with Marvel. Mm-hmm. You have um, like basically a guaranteed quality product, no matter like I mean, just the way, the way these things are produced by Feige and right. Foster and Shepard all the way from beginning to end. Going to have a chance to probably work with some like incredible filmmakers. I mean, can you imagine if like they get Chad Fleski and uh, <laughs> I don't know who else to jump on there and write and help develop these things? I mean, I'd love for if Kelly Freeman Craig just do an Edge of Seventeen pairing, get her to direct this That's series. Right. Um, I think that'd be fantastic. Because I don't, there. Wait, to talk. No, Hawkeye did get a showrunner. I think this past week. Phenomenal. But it's I don't remember who it is. Someone out of left field. Um, let me. I can't say I'm familiar with too many um showrunners in the biz. Yeah, I'm unless try, I'm, I'm really to, mad. Oh, at them. uh, it, they have a writer, and I believe he's also going to serve as a showrunner, Jonathan Igla, who did Mad Men. So, hmm. uh, it's it's a little bit of a, I think a little more out of left field choice um, from that regards. But I don't believe he'll direct anything, so that spot will still need to be filled for the series. But uh, it comes out in 2021. I'm excited about it, um, and I guess just to kind of, I, I do like how you mentioned her music career because immediately, I mean, Jerry Menner this whole summer has been <laughs> his buddy music career, and it's just like. Are they going to do a duet? Is there a musical themed episode? Where what where do the possibilities end with the series all of a sudden? They're going to drop a collab album. Right, like that'd be incredible. Like even if it's just like you got to drop a single. Like that would be like it would be ridiculous, but that'd be such a great piece of like viral hype that like only I think this show could pull off in Marvel mm-hmm. that like, it's like oh, our two stars are going to make a Hawkeye song. <laughs> just like that'd be even if it's like a minute and a half long. Like that'd be incredible. Do we have any Renner's songs out like out yet? Can uh, we pop he, on he, has, he has the one from the Jeep commercial. I know that that one's out there. Um, Is it any I good? I haven't listened I, to it. It's it's fine. It's like okay, Jeremy Renner turned into musician. And is he is it like pop hip hop? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little poppy. Nice. So like you know him and Steinfeld could like that's the same kind of uh, you know genre there. They could you know make a nice collaboration. Is there is there also, so like auto tune or? Uh, I mean, it sounds. I mean, natural enough. I mean, there's okay. probably a decent. There's probably some, but good voice. Uh, good yeah, voice? Oh, yeah. I mean, wow. it's. I mean, it's not. It's not. You know, he's no. He's no like Beyonce or something. <laughs> but like you know, he's got fine vocals it's just mm-hmm. like i think it's just jeremy trying to capitalize on like he like his career is with the mcu is probably dwindling down as he's literally about to pass off his mantle to somebody else yeah so it's like his time and like this major spotlight's probably only gonna last for a couple more years and then it's like you know do i try to take over the born franchise nope there i tried to do i try to take over the mission impossible franchise mm-hmm. uh, nope that didn't work so it's like what else like can he do so he has like this amazon store like his app just you know shut down that's which right is, uh, you know that's that's sad i guess but it's just you know i just think it's that, that'd be incredible if there was a some sort of a music collaboration between the two stars just to be like it's the hawkeye ep like, bring, bring it up. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I'm for it let's do it so uh lastly here just to wrap up this uh this topic you know she is a part of the Young Avengers in the comics. Um, there's several seeds already been planted for that in the MCU with Cassie Lang, you know, Wiccan and Speed, the children of Scarlet Witch and Vision could be introduced in WandaVision potentially. Um, you know, there's a lot of these. It looks like they could be going the Young Avengers route eventually. I mean, they could have Ironheart replace Iron Lad or something. There, there's a lot of different ways they could go. And, you know, do you think that this could be a role where she becomes a bigger role in the MCU and in the movies than Hawkeye ever was beforehand. Oh, absolutely. Or is she going to be somebody who is part of an ensemble, never gets a solo movie, but then is just like always one of the leaders, but never like a true lead. Yeah. I think, I think that last one is perfect. Perfect. Okay. Description. 
she's versatile, fun, but like, can you afford her for every film? No. I mean, and they've already got a whole slate of, you know, they've got everything figured out all the way through. But what they do have time space for is everything on Disney+. Plus. And I think that's probably where she'll live and breathe. Because if you think back to 2008 or 2010, which was Iron Man 2. Yes. Um, Hawkeye and Black Widow just get these small roles in those movies mm-hmm. when they're introduced. Or I guess Thor was 2011. Okay, yeah. And so had Disney had their streaming service then, we would have gotten a Hawkeye and Black Widow streaming series to run parallel to those things for sure. Oh, yeah. You I, know, and with strategy in mind. I mean, if that's like... A crazy hypothetical like you know what if disney plus was around for the last decade like because mm-hmm. there's no doubt in my mind that we would have had uh you know another like we probably would have had like agent carter wouldn't have been an abc series it'd be a eight episode miniseries on disney plus that's like a lot more high quality it's like legit mcu canon there's like no, there's like not like a well i mean it's, it's okay but like are they ever going to really address the fact that like she was like in love with another guy and like now i guess you know maybe that didn't happen in this alternate mm-hmm. universe that you know steve went back and uh you know found fell in love with her again uh, i don't really know but it's just like yeah we definitely would have had a hawkeye series we would have had that black widow series we probably would have had like a, a scarlet witch quicksilver series ahead of like age of ultron like there would have been so many opportunities to like build up these characters a lot more and probably even speed up some stories. Absolutely. Which I think, which would have been crazy. And I don't know if you saw the, uh, an alternate, um, post-credit scene for the first Iron Man that Kevin Feige recently revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically it was a little extended version where before Nick Fury turns around, he was like, as, as if, uh, you know, uh, gamma radiation, a uh, bunch of mutants and a guy bitten by a radioactive spider weren't big enough problems for me to deal with. I have to deal with now a spoiled billionaire. Mm. And so it's like, there was a world in 2007, 2008 when they were filming that, where Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios were thinking, you know, maybe we could link up to the X-Men and Spider-Man and like have a legit fully formed MCU. That's not split. Uh, that is still split apart by studios, but it's yeah. all under one creative vision. And that's just, crazy to think about now especially dealing with like you know spider-man just left because of sony and like all these things feeling nostalgic yeah there we go so it's it's uh it's weird so that that scene's going to be on the uh, infinity saga box set that releases some point this year and i'll probably drop four hundred dollars on it probably you you better get like a freaking gauntlet with that uh, right i hope so i mean i'm gonna buy it regardless just because there's gonna be more deleted scenes and you know random stuff that i'm hopefully there's like reflective commentary tracks or something like that. I think that'd be awesome. Or just like, especially if Kevin Feige did one, cause he's never done something like that. And I'd love right. to have like his insight and thoughts as like a movie's going on for every film for every, for, even if it's just like the big one, like just do one for the Avengers movies. But I'd love to see like Joss Whedon do like a reflective <laughs> commentary on age of Ultron or something, or like just have other directors commentary, other movies like i just think there's so many possibilities with that box set that you know i want to dive in all those special features and stuff but uh let's move on from the mcu jump into the suicide squad which now officially has its entire cast thanks to a james gunn announcement he confirmed the cast list includes i believe it's 24 names and i'm going to rattle all of them off here take a deep breath David Dasmalchen, John Cena, Jai Courtney, Joaquin Cosino, Nathan Fillion, Joel Kinnaman, Mei Ling Ning, Flula, Borg, Sean Gunn, Juan Diego Boto, Storm Reed, Pete Davidson, Taika Waititi, Alice Braga, Steve Agee, Tina Shi, Kajesi, 
Daniela Melchior, Peter Capaldi, uh, Julio Ruiz, Jennifer Holland, Viola Davis, Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, Michael Rooker. Dang. So a lot of these we had heard a little bit about before, um, yes. as we talked about, but I think there's you know there's a handful of them that are new. I'm not expecting all of them to be major roles, obviously, because you can't have 24 main characters, mm-hmm. um, but this is a crazy big lineup. That is a nuts... It's a nuts cast list to put out there. And, like, I mean, like, you, you, you release five names, six names, your leads and people who you'll make offhand references to uh, at the beginning of the movie. Past that, no clue. But James Gunn is, like, is best friends with everybody in Hollywood. And this cast list reflects that. I mean, Nathan Fillion, that's out of nowhere. I mean, they're, like, best friends. They are? He was, he's, he voiced, so you know in the first Guardians when mm. they're in the prison and Groot shoves his fingers up that alien's nose mm-hmm. to like get him away from Quill, that voice is Nathan Fillion. What? And then in Guardians 2, uh, there was supposed to be, like there's Easter eggs, that you, I don't think you can actually see them because they were cut part of a deleted scene where Nathan Fillion was playing um, the character of Wonder Man in Marvel Comics, who as of that point in the MCU was an actor who was then starring in like MCU like spoof movies. <laughs> so he was starring in like Tony Stark, which is like the Steve Jobs equivalent, but mm-hmm. based around Tony Stark. Like, he had a whole list of like fake <laughs> movies that you can see posters of, and that's what Fillion was supposed to do. <laughs> that's awesome. But like he, he was a great ad. Storm Reed? Did we know this? Ratcatcher? Uh, that- we knew. Well, she's not Ratcatcher. That's uh, Danila Melchior. That's Storm right. Reed is playing Idris Elba's daughter, reportedly. Nice. I th- I want to say we talked about it. Maybe we didn't. Maybe it flew under the radar. But uh, yeah, nice nice addition. Absolutely. Like, and just, it just, again, emphasizes how stacked this movie is going to be. Um, any names on here that you're, like, stoked for that um, you didn't know were already in the mix? Not, I guess. I mean, it was nice to see Michael Rooker on that list because he was originally reported to be part of the cast and he denied it and now he is on there. So it's like, okay, that's that's fun that he's back there. Sean Gunn, I'm happy like to see that continue to work and not surprised about it. But uh, the only one that was a surprise and something that I was like, oh, that's cool is Alice Braga. Like she's, I think, part of the New Mutants cast. I think she's the doctor or something. Um, but I don't know if we'll ever even see that movie, but now like to see her take on some secret role in the Suicide Squad, like I think that's exciting because uh, she's really talented and not somebody we at least I see a lot of in the stuff I watch. Heck yeah. So, uh, but the question obviously is, you know, this is the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Guns, all of his social media posts, he said like, "Don't get too attached." Yeah, <laughs> so right. the there is there is a very clear um, emphasis on the fact that these are your twenty four cast members. Mm-hmm. Not all twenty four of them are going to make it out of this movie, which leaves us with the obvious question of, you know, who's not safe on this cast list? I don't think anybody's safe on this cast. list. I mean, there's some. I mean, Edris Elba is definitely Margot safe. Robbie. You're not going to kill. I don't Preach. think you kill John Cena. That seems like a, you know, he's in this movie and maybe he can be part of some other franchise down the line, or he can be part of the Suicide Squad two, the Suicide Squad three, however mm-hmm. you title it. Um, and like Viola Davis, like you don't, I don't think kill the head of, you yeah. know, the whole thing. But I think other than that, I think there's there's a lot of. Um, not nobody else is really safe absolutely and like when you look at the suicide squad cast list depending on which iteration you look at there, there's at least like 30 members mm-hmm. in every iteration 
And so you could just throw them all in there and blow half of them up and then be like, okay, well now it's just King Shark, Harley Quinn, and you know, <laughs> Deadshot or someone who is like Deadshot. Right. You know, whatever, whatever the case is. And it would make for some plenty, it would make for plenty of hilarity to have all of these A-list and B-list people just having, being exploded the mm-hmm. entire way through. Because, I mean, that's what James Gunn's, you know, um, that's his that's his mantra, that's his style, is just messy, gory, wacky, and weird. Mm-hmm. And if you can't let James Gunn be James Gunn in Suicide Squad, where I mean, where and what else are you going to get there? Right. I just it's it's so fun though to have Taika Waititi's name in stone on this. Oh, absolutely, it's it's fantastic. And yeah, I'm 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 thinking that I, I posted about this on Twitter. I think if you're a friend of James Gunn there is like a 95% chance you do not make it out of this movie. Yeah, oh, so sure. Micah Rooker, his girlfriend, uh, Jennifer Holland, um, who else is he friends with? Tyka, Sean Gunn, um, and Nathan. I think those five, you can all be like, yeah, they're for sure goners. And I would, I would not even be surprised if like the movie opens up with like Joel Kinnaman's like Rick flag, like leading some mission. And they're <laughs> like, and then all of a sudden it just goes terribly wrong and they all just start blowing up left and right and it's just like a montage of heads exploding like kingsman but like more mm-hmm. violent and less confetti <laughs> like i i, I think that'd yes. be amazing yeah just a way to be like because like the first suicide squad is fine it's whatever i mean i think i've soured on it as the years have gone by but like to know that slipknot's the only one that got his head actually like that actually like died in like the suicide squad way it was kind of like oh, a little disappointing and so like if James is just like, you know what, this is what it is. This is what the Suicide Squad is actually like. And we're going to kill five people like within the first 10 minutes on some random mission. And then, you know, Rick Flagg has to go back to Amanda Waller and just be like, yeah, <laughs> that didn't go well. So, I need I need a new squad. And he's like, she's like, uh, okay, um, John Cena, <laughs> David Esmaljian, mm-hmm. uh, Idris Elba just came in here. We'll put him on. Oh, and Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. She just got locked up again after Birds of Prey. So, uh, you know, she's back. So you can send her back out there with you. Like, you can have so much fun with this. And I, I just would really like to see that approach being taken instead of being like, because I don't want the suicide squad to be like, all right, we're going off on whatever mission it is, whatever the the story is in the sequel um, to be like, and the roster is like 15 people. Mm-hmm. And then like every five minutes, somebody dies. They could just be better. Just be like, boom, wipe the slate clean. Yeah. Let's like have Taika and all your fun came is right from the start. And then be like, and now here's the actual movie at hand. Mm-hmm. But like, but also it would just be glory. I mean, like that way would be great too. It would also be glorious if like just, Along the way, we were treated to Taika Waititi, you know, in the flash or in mocap being, like you said, like slow motion obliterated the smithereens all yeah. the way through. Um, like even Peter Capaldi, like I don't know what the dude's going to be doing in there, but I loved his iteration of Doctor I, Who. I want to say he's going to be the villain of the movie. Ooh, great. He said he said that he has to shave his head and that his role may revolve or may involve uh, prosthetics. So. Ooh. There's a there's a lot of people who think he could be the villain of the movie, which I mean makes sense. He has that kind of prestige about him that you know makes him a nice villain choice. But uh, yeah, I don't know who exactly he's playing. I don't think a lot of these people would be like super deep cut unknown DC characters. Whoever like Taika and Fillion and Rooker, like they're gonna be like it's gonna be like when like the the Le- the Lego Batman movie trailer came out. And they're like mm-hmm. Condiment King. Is that a real? Oh, that is okay. That's a real DC <laughs> character. Okay, I guess so. 
It's gonna be like I think it's stuff like that. Calendar man. Yeah, like I, like that'd be hilarious if one of like like what if like Michael Rooker's Calendar Man or something. Mm-hmm. Was like he would be a great Calendar Man, by the way. Would he? I don't really know the character. He's just a guy who just puts, you know, marks on his body. But he'd be great. <laughs> he would be great. Sign us up. It just I would expect everything. That's oh why. yeah, that's that's it's, the way it's gonna be. This completely insane completely ridiculous and i think with the normal gun humor but probably an r-rated uh vibe for this that like he's gonna be able to push it farther than he's gone before amen so let's do it uh let, we're also going to talk about jj abrams moving to warner brothers and warner media as uh, it was confirmed this week that him and his studio bad robot are going to set up shop at warner media leaving paramount behind after they spent the last couple years over there the deal will see him create and produce new franchises on uh, all forms of media, movies, TV, video games. Uh, I think even theme parks are an option for him as well. So he'll also have access to major IP, inclu- as well as you know, be able to create whatever he wants over there for the next five years. Which for the deal, I believe is $250 million, but it could go up to 500 even upwards of billions of dollars, depending on how certain things go. But Josh, do you think that... Warner Brothers is the right home for J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I think it is the right home because Warner Brothers has got to be dangerous and it's got to be hungry and it's got to be willing to take all sorts of creative risks. Listen, Harry Potter's in the toilet. Like, I mean... For now. For now. Maybe he'll reboot it. (laughs) Maybe J.J. Abrams rebooted Harry Potter. There we go. Like, what would that that be like? I don't know. Um, But, like, you think about their properties... And they are running out of road. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the DC is going to be mined to death with a bunch of creatives, and like that'll be one source of income. But for unique films, I mean, Fox is gone. Fox is off the table. What's Warner going to do? And JJ is one of the most like is JJ Abrams and Bad Robot are one of the most creative forces out there right now. I would say, at least in terms of like one studio bands mixing it up and mm-hmm. sending things out there. So now they've got. Bad Robot. They've got Blumhouse in their mix now too. Or no, that's Universal. Yeah, it's Universal. Okay, well that's a fine. But they've got <laughs> they've got James Wan. They've they've got uh-huh. the they got the Conjuring universe in the mix here, and who knows what else we can see. I mean, like J.J. Abrams is going to have access to Blade Runner. Yeah, we'll share yeah. It with Sony, kind of. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that one works. I don't need. Like, I don't know. I don't see J.J. as like I'm going to do the next Blade Runner. That just doesn't seem like J.J. to me. I don't know. It probably wouldn't be, but it's bad. Robot is going to have all these toys to play with. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. I mean, for one, for getting fresh ideas into stale IP that won't be safe, mm-hmm. but then also getting new ideas into the stale minds of Warner brothers executives. So, I mean, yeah, that, I think that, that, that's where I'm landing on it. I don't know. How did you feel about this? I, I, I think it's the best outcome based on what we knew the options were it seemed like it was down to either warner brothers apple or disney and like disney makes a ton of sense because you know he has the relationship there with lucasfilm they're doing star wars and stuff um and that's where he spent the majority of the last five years of his career is over there not doing his paramount deal (laughs) which i know didn't make paramount very happy um but it like we we didn't need jj at disney disney's got enough on their play i don't need a, a new bad robot or two or three new bad robot productions every single year to go on top of everything that they're already doing. So it makes sense. I think for them to, for him to go to Disney to, uh, or to go to Warner brothers, help boost, uh, that profile and, you know, give us more movies like Cloverfield or overlord, which, you know, was going to be a Cloverfield movie. Then it's, it's not a Cloverfield movie anymore. Um, but just like do stuff like that. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, 
opportunities, obviously, for them to go the original IP route to create things. I think that's probably what entices JJ about this more than anything. Because if you're looking at like Disney, like if he would have gone there, he'd probably been like, okay, here's our library of content. What do you want to readapt and reboot? And he's probably like, yeah, I mean, I already helped you guys out with Star Wars. Like, I'd rather create something new now, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe get to you know reboots and uh, you know remakes and all that kind of stuff later on. But I think for now, to get some original J.J. Abrams content, which we haven't really gotten since what Super Eight was his last like original movie. Yeah, uh, like that was 2011, I believe. So like it's it's almost been a decade, and so like, I'm I'm excited to see fresh new JJ in some form and, you know, help raise the Warner brothers um, library to have something else out there that, you know, Disney can't offer. It's this big prestigious filmmaker that's creating things for movies, TV, and all other platforms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, and then like, I mean, the deal goes on to like all these expansive things. And so like, you never like what could come out of Warner brothers. Like it'll probably be like this mix of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But then also like these bigger plays, like because you know there are sci-fi and fantasy things that Abrams has been cooking up that like just nobody's taken a shot at yet, right? Even after he's made everyone billions mm-hmm. and millions of dollars, and so like I don't know, like the and then like the idea, the the potential for collaboration over at Warner Brother, Warner Media too. Like, listen, big conglomerates, bad, but like him and James Watt in the same lot now or near the same lot. Uh-huh. I don't know where bad robot productions is Mm, i would assume they'll have some sort of a shop set up at the main warner brothers lot now for sure and so like the bumping into people and all those kind of things like that are gonna get tossed into the mix i love that apple never i mean apple never really made sense i mean they want to buy somewhere and i mean bad robot would just be a production company they need a studio and all those resources so it would have it would have just been stifled. They can do their licensing deals and everything like that. But Warner Brothers having first stab at everything, it could be great because they'd be like, "All right, this is our exclusive. Let's go, go, go. Let's get it out there." But then also it could be like, "Well, we're gonna take it, be selfish with it, and then screw it up." So <laughs> like, there's 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 the two things there. Um. So, but I'm leaning towards feeling like it'll be the latter rather than, or it'll be the former rather than the latter. Right. And I mean, you mentioned you know bumping into to people like a James Wan and you know everybody else over at Warner Brothers. A lot of people are hoping that you know now that he is set up at Wonder Brothers for the next five years, that it could also mean that JJ will get his hands on a DC project um, in some form, either direct it or write it or whatever. And for a lot of people, that means, oh, do you Superman? It's the bi- it's it's probably Warner Brothers' biggest IP that they are not currently utilizing. So, like, that makes a ton of sense. And he wrote a Superman script, you know, almost uh, maybe even it was over a decade ago. Uh, and uh, so, you know, he has some affinity for the character and some interest in it. I don't think that version of his script and that story would actually make it to the screen um, in the current superhero climate. But I, I, I would not be sh- surprised if JJ in the next you know couple years actually signs on to do a DC movie is like, okay, I got some creative juices flowing. I did this original movie. I directed some pilot for a TV show that's going to be on HBO max. Like mm-hmm. I've got some things moving and now to get myself back in like the big blockbuster mode of JJ Abrams, I'm going to go, reboot superman or make that green lantern movie finally after you know like a decade and a half of it being like in limbo like now we're finally going to move forward with that and um do you have any interest in a jj abrams joining the dc universe yeah i i mean like you don't say no you don't say no to that but what property would go well with jj abrams i Mm -hmm. don't know because his style is 
his I mean where do you where do you what do you I haven't seen a JJ Abrams film that hasn't looked like a Spielberg movie mm-hmm. in over what and and ever ever what if what if he directs that um what was it uh that like World War Two uh like plane movie Black Hawk Black Hawk yeah, yeah. like I what mean, if what if he did that that would be right up his alley. That'd be a little weird still because it'd be like, J.J., like, stop just l- latching on to Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, it'd be way too on the nose. But like that, like it's it's so, like you said, in today's climate, it would be so hard for him to make a film like that because we've seen it before a thousand mm-hmm. times over. But I mean, I, I would still probably say that uh, Superman's probably the best bet for J.J. if he's going to do something. Personally, I would like to see him do Green Lantern because I think that I mean, he's done the space buddy cop thing already with Star Trek and did it really mm-hmm. convincingly really well. And like, if it's like, you know, he's got the Tom Cruise connection through Mission Impossible all those years ago. That's the fan favorite to play at an older Hal Jordan, you know, could he do Green Lantern, get Tom Cruise on board, but then also get like Joven Adepo from Overlord to be, uh, you know, John Stewart, like. Could he go that route or even, you know, John Boyega after the Star Wars connection, get him into the DC universe would be mm-hmm. probably uh, a huge letdown for I think Disney and Marvel to lose John Boyega from the Disney family. But uh, I think that's probably something that could be in the cards and something that we know JJ can pull off. And maybe it's not him directing a full trilogy, but just even if it's just him starting the Green Lantern, you know, trilogy franchise, moving on, executive producing, whatever, I would still like to see that happen more than his take on superman but i can't argue with the fact that superman is still the biggest thing Warner brothers is not working on in any capacity and that's a bad business move and so if jj has any interest whatsoever whether it's with cavill or without cavill um i don't know how Warner brothers necessarily passes that up to be like from the director of star wars the force awakens mm-hmm. and the rise of skywalker superman reborn or whatever yes. it, you call it um and it's just like boom here's your brand new superman it's part of the dceu in some form and we're off and running that yeah, direction you, if you put jj abrams in the director's chair i'm like I, you could see henry cavill being like all right sure let's give this a shot again i mean he's, he's an old pro knows mm-hmm. what he's doing and would bring that flair to it again so yeah I, I don't think it'd be a question of whether or not henry i think henry's willing to come back as long as one is willing to pay him um and extend his contract but i think it would just obviously come with the uncertainty of would JJ want to bring Cavill back or would he rather start fresh like Matt Reeves is going to do and you'd know, be like, well, I, I mean, I could have directed Ben Affleck and the Batman, but I'd rather go a different route and do my own thing rather than stick to what Zack Snyder was doing. So I could see JJ doing something similar and being like, Henry was a good Superman, but I'd rather tell my own version of the story, not mm-hmm. attached to everything that came before and yeah. you know, the baggage or whatever you want to call it. And at this point though, too, like I think we're kind of past the Superman origin story. Yes. And so the pot, the sky's the limit on what you could do with one of those movies. Yeah. And that's, I think that's probably the pitch for why it makes sense for him to do a super, like a man of steel sequel reboot and just be like, Henry Cavill's still there. Amy Adams is back as Lois Lane, like Lawrence Fishburne can return if he wants. Um, but we're going forward in the same actors, the same continuity in a sense, just so you don't have to be like, wait, you're not going to tell us the origin story? Because like, I feel like if J.J. did a Superman movie, he'd want to tell his own origin in some mm-hmm. form. And like, we don't need that. Yeah, he can't resist a good opening. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think him doing DC is still probably a long ways off because I, th- I do think he wants to do original stuff first. But uh, we will find out sooner than later, hopefully, as of what JJ is going to do next and first with Warner Brothers. But we'll probably have to wait until, you know, obviously he's done with Star Wars at the end of this year 
for all that stuff to kind of move forward. But let's move on to ticket or skip it here uh, as this segment's going to stay the same as it's been for the last year or so. Uh, there's four trailers this week. We're going to each pick one to give a ticket to as we got the second trailer for Dr. Sleep, the second trailer for The Lighthouse, the second trailer for Midway, and the international trailer for Last Christmas. Josh, which one of these gets your ticket this week? I am going to give it to The Lighthouse. Again, uh, like, listen, love Midway, love Last Christmas. They're fine. Uh, Midway's okay, I suppose. It looks just like the same movie. Right. As title before, but... I am just so hyped for Robert Eggers' Lighthouse. I mean, it, it, it. this one was, the, it's like, look, we've got good reviews. And it's like, okay, yeah I, yeah, I didn't need to see those. I was already sold. But it triples down on the, um, the conflict, the claustrophobia that is going to be in this lighthouse. And it just looks like a really unique cinematic experience. Um, last year's 8 by 10 I mean, or whatever the aspect ratio of that was, um, was mid-90s. Yes. This time around, we've got Robert Eggers doing black and white, and every every frame just looks beautiful, and I really can't wait to watch it on an IMAX screen. An IMAX screen? Is it going to be an IMAX? They should put it on an IMAX It's not going to be an IMAX. Okay. You're going to see it in, like, the the very corner theaters, <laughs> like an AMC or Regal. It's just like, uh, the smallest <laughs> theater possible, that's where you'll see it. And it's not going to command... A thousand, not a thousand. That's way too many. Like the two hundred, three hundred seats that you know the main auditoriums fill. That's true. I can dream though. Sure, you can. It'd probably be great on like thirty-five millimeter. Oh, I'm sure, but you know we're not going to get that either. No. <laughs> I would drive. I'd drive if I would drive to Indianapolis for that. Okay, well, we'll we'll find out. I guess if it's playing in thirty-five or anyway, not. The Lighthouse by Robert. Yeah, Rikers. I mean, it looks still just as weird. Just as I, I'm not. I still don't even know what's going on. Willem Dafoe's going for it in every sense of the word but Mm -hmm. uh, i'm gonna give my ticket to dr sleep uh just because this one kind of gave us a little bit more of the story a lot more of rebecca ferguson which is never a bad thing and i'm still just super impressed by how they're recreating everything that they did before with the shining but then also showing like how the overlook hotel has changed and kind of degraded since then and I just I have I find the whole thing fascinating as somebody who is not familiar with the source material, doesn't know the story. Um I don't know where this is going, but the idea of like Rebecca Ferguson's character, Rose the Hat, I think is her name, like going and trying to like steal these powers from people and like eat them or kill them as a result, like uh that is something that I'm just like, okay, I'm like I'm in for that and like you win like he starts off grizzled, like oh my like, oh, this is like the like the test footage for the Obi Wan movie or something. Or like <laughs> it's the T V series now. Yeah. Um it just it just all looks really good. Mike uh Flanagan has some clever shots in there. Um like the one where the girl like just drops like from the window to the like the other mm-hmm. side of the wall. It's like like all this stuff just like looks Cool, well done, and Doctor Sleep has my ticket guaranteed. Great pick, great pick. Yeah, Ian McGregor. Ian McGregor just looks like he's acting again. Like, I mean, not that he wasn't doing anything like that in Blind Spotting or uh, Winning the Pooh, but just mainstreaming him again, especially in light of the um, the uh, teaser trailer we got for Harley Quinn. Yeah, or the Birds of Prey and mm-hmm. Harley Quinn. Um, so bring it all on. And yeah, the, the recreations of Overlook is phenomenal. Yeah, so we're going to end our first news-only episode with a brand new segment that's replacing the flyby, which doesn't have an official name yet. I'm like, you know, is it the co-host corner or something? I don't know. I don't know what to call it. Um, as of right now in my notes, it's just called News of the Week because 
at this point in the show now, instead of doing the flyby, running through a bunch of different uh, topics very quickly, me and Josh are each going to pick one piece of news that came out this week that we want to talk about specifically. We'll, go, we'll talk about it for a couple minutes and then end the show. Josh, what is your topic this week? That is a great question, Cooper. And I was going to ask you first. Okay. Because I forgot to pick <laughs> mine and I was not familiar with this no segment. No problem. So I'll go first um, and go with the Valiant Cinematic Universe, mm. uh, which we had a kind of a, a strange and weird update on this past week from a, a Hollywood Reporter article where they revealed that the Valiant comic universe, which had previously been set up at Sony, they're making Bloodshot with Vin Diesel, it comes out uh, next year, early next year. Um, they had a Harbinger movie uh, going ready to go or gearing up to go. They have uh, you know some spinoff movies in the works as well. They're going looks like they were going to try to create this cinematic universe based on Valiant comics. And now this past week, it was announced that Paramount has acquired all of the Valiant things except for Bloodshot. So now the Harbinger movie is going to go undergo some quick redevelopment at Paramount. Justin Tipping is still going to direct the movie um, as he was previously set up to with Sony. The producers are still on board. All the creative team is still involved, but now instead of being at Sony, the Harbinger movie and all future Valiant movies, it looks like, will be at Paramount. And I found this whole thing pretty fascinating because it's rare, I think, to see a studio just willingly kind of let a potential cinematic comic book universe just go and stay at and like hold on to Bloodshot, which I don't know if that means good things for Bloodshot. And they were fearful of Harbinger if they were like, Bloodshot's not good. And because of that, we're not going to invest in this universe. So Paramount, if you want to buy it, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Uh, and we'll just release this thing anyways. Um, but either way, I just think that I think the Valiant comic book universe is somebody who's not super familiar with it um, is an interesting format to play with, but also... Sony's willingness to let this all slide after regaining Spider-Man back fully, I think is telling that probably means like, you know, they're not thinking they're going to, you know, lose this Spider-Man Venom universe anytime soon. And like they're in somebody's like, you know, we have our cinematic universe now of superheroes, Paramount, you can go off viewers. I think that's a good move for Paramount too, because now instead of just being on the outside looking in, in terms of comic book, you know, um, properties, they now have their own that they can, pretty much freely create because a lot of people don't know anything about the Valiant comics. So I think it's a big win for Paramount and an interesting move for Sony. And hopefully it means we'll get to uh, hear some more news about this movie moving forward. Maybe they circle back around to Dylan O'Brien, who was up for the lead role. I even doing kind of writing about the story, figured out that um, uh, Beanie Feldstein was up for a role reportedly. She was like a front runner to play this role of faith who is, you know, another superhero. And so it's like, like that would like if that's like the the starting cast for this movie of Don O'Brien and Beanie Feldstein like wow like sign me up that's going to be great and uh, again if that's the case then I think it's a big win for Paramount. Heck yeah, uh, I am going with Next Goal Wins casting its lead. I believe it's lead Michael uh-huh. Fassbender. He's the one I like. I don't hate Michael Fassbender in any regard. Some of the roles and acting choices uh, we could talk about, you know, whatever. But the point is, he's jumping on Taika Waititi's next project for Fox Searchlight. Um, so all of these three things are coalescing together. Jojo Rabbit's getting good reviews. He's Taika's doing another Fox Light Searchlight product. Michael Fassbender is going to have a chance to be Michael Fassbender for like the first time in his career because I haven't can't think of a movie where he's been able to just be a dude so I like you know um it's based on this like British documentary of a soccer team um from American Samoa 
and I am I am all in on this just because number one I think Michael Fassbender is crazy talented, but he's just never been able to. He's been able to show it in like these limited ways where it's like, can you be a robot for us? Yeah, he's a great robot. Can you be a murderous assassin? Yes, he can be that. Can he be, I don't know, Steve Jobs? Yes, he can be a fine Steve Jobs. But um, like the, the, the potential for comedy and fun um, inside of Next Goal Wins with Michael Fassbender, I think is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's a great move for Fassbender's career to go pair up with Taika uh, and get away from these these really you know weird projects that he's been doing recently, and hopefully it means we can get back to some some classic, really good hard hitting uh, fast and Also, open up his comedic side, and uh, maybe that it does mean that Ryan Gosling's meeting with Taika. I mean, he's kind of the same age as Fastbender, so it could have been for this role. But now that it didn't happen, maybe Gosling will be in Thor four. I have no idea, but um, yeah, that's a that's. Our two picks for the first edition of News of the Week or Co-Host Corner, whatever we're going to call it. Mm-hmm. If you have suggestions for what it should be called, let us know um, on Twitter at Friends and Film. But uh, that's all we have for this news episode this week. Hopefully, again, you guys like this new format. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with a review of Hustlers. We'll also be back on Thursday with a new big question tackling Disney Plus and how it will impact Disney's movie empire. So be on the lookout for that. And then next week, we're back with a review of Ad Astra as well as, you know, news and another big question as well so again be on the lookout for all that stuff you can tell us your thoughts on everything covered here today by training stuff from the film and you can follow me personally on twitter at movie cooper and you can get at me josh and just joshua ryan and if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe share retweet and more plus head over to itunes and give us a five-star view with comments that's why you enjoy listening to the show and thanks again for tuning into this festival podcast josh thank you for stopping in everyone and be sure to turn next week for our future episodes